If you could, please take the Bible. Let's stand together for our text. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. And no, I didn't forget that I already preached from this verse. We're looking at the depths of what the Bible talks about love. Again, just a massive subject. And I've tried to bring it down into three, three sermons as we look at uh, what the Bible says here. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. Simply those first five words will be our text. Let love be without dissimulation. Let love be without dissimulation. Some translations might say without hypocrisy. Let love be true. That's what the Bible is telling us. That when we love, we ought to love truly. Let's bow our heads if you would. Father, I come before you and we humble ourselves and we are thankful and grateful for your grace and mercy to us. Lord, I ask that you please be with us now as we come to the preaching of your word, that you would remove the distractions and the things that would take our attention away, that we would be attentive to your spirit and your truth here, Lord, and give me grace that I might say what is needed, speak through me, over me, and that you might be heard this morning. ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. A lot of people throw around the word love. We, we've spent time with that, thinking about that. We use it quite casually. We say we love a lot of different things. and We might love food, or we might love objects, or we might love people. And of course, we all say we love God. And perhaps we even back it up with some sort of action. But more often than not, we use the word love flippantly. Most people use the word love flippantly. And what we call love is actually based on some kind of physical attraction or self-centered desire. And when that thing we say we love no longer fulfills the need that we think it should, well, we all of a sudden don't love it anymore. That's not true love. That's not true love. That's what the Bible uses terms for as lust or infatuation or desires. Now, true love is shown to us in the Bible. True love is defined for us by God's very Word. In fact, the writers, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when speaking of love, most often use the word agape to show it, and it speaks of a self-sacrificing love. One that is not based on circumstance. You know what? There's a lot of people that love things when it's good for them. There's a lot of people that love other people when they're doing good for them, but when the tables are turned, again, that love is gone. True love is not based on circumstance. True love is not based on what you can do for me. No, it's it's a love of the will or a love of choice. It's the love that God has for us when He loved us when we were unlovable. It is love that is shown in Christ as He came to give His life as the sacrifice for our sins. That's true love. And if we then are to be His people and His ambassadors, born again with His new nature, then we are to love truly. We are to love without hypocrisy. Remember a couple weeks back when we were speaking about this, we, we defined that word hypocrisy. It's not just saying one thing and doing another. It's actually 
acting, pretending, holding up a mask and saying one thing and then over here maybe revealing your true face or another mask and then saying another thing. And we can do that quite often. But we as God's people are to be examples of what it means to love truly. And our failure too can cause great damage and when we do so correctly, God is seen and felt. So this is important. So just a few quick reminders before we we get into the message. First, you worry about you. This is one of those subjects that becomes very easy to point the finger and say, look, see, they don't love me like they should. Look at them, look at... Say, they say they love God and they don't. They say they love other people and they don't. It's very easy for us to point the fingers. And I want to remind us to stop because we're not perfect either, are we? Quite often, we don't live up to the standards we hold other people to, especially when it comes to this area. We're here to hear God's Word on the subject, to search our own hearts and to see, hey, where do I need to improve in this? Because if we're all honest, we got room to improve here, don't we? I also want to remind you of where we started last time. We saw Jesus call out uh, two primary commandments. Remember that? When he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? He, He gives this answer. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and strength. That's the first. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as what? Thyself. And he says, in fact... All of the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. All of the Old Testament focus and all of the Old Testament law hangs on those two commandments. Love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And so the first step we took was to ask the question, do you truly love God? Or is it just an act? Do we truly love Him or is this... Something like a mask we put on for Sunday mornings and we come here and we sing the songs and we say the right things and we say amen to the prayers, but when we we leave, we do whatever we want to do. And we don't think about God. If we got time and I ain't too busy, then I'll fit God in. And He's got to be okay with that because that's just what I say so. Do we have that kind of an attitude? (laughs) Don't you dare question me about it. we have that kind of an attitude or do we truly love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind? And again, I'll simply just urge you again to step back and take a look and maybe stop fooling yourself and evaluate what is my relationship like with God? Am I truly loving Him and yielded to Him? And perhaps the best thing to do to fix that if there's a problem is to consider His love for us. How much God loves you, all that He's done for you. You sit and ponder that, and it will do wonders for your heart. But Jesus said, not only are we to just love God with all that we are, we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. So that's what I want to consider for the time we have left this morning. A second question. Do you truly love others? 
Do we truly love others? If Paul is saying here, hey, let, let's love in an unhypocritical way. Let's truly love. And then Jesus says, you're supposed to love God and you're supposed to love others. In fact, all of the law and prophets hang on that. Then that's a question we got to ask, isn't it? Do we truly love others? Look in Romans chapter 13. Look at verse 8 just across the page. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Well, we read that and say, I love them. I mean, I, I, I don't commit adultery. I don't kill. I don't steal or, or try not to lie. At least some people don't. I try not to lie. Covet? Well, maybe. Depends on what other people have and whether I like it or not. I try not to do those things. So I don't do bad things to my neighbors. So I, I, I'm good, right? I have fulfilled the law. I've kept the law of God because I love my neighbor because I don't do these other things. Well, is that what Paul is saying? That's what I want to look at. That's what I want to consider this morning and have you, as I look in my own heart, you look in your hearts and see, am I truly loving others the way the Bible says to? And again, we only have time to just consider a few things because this is one of those subjects that keeps unfolding. You see it everywhere in Scripture. Just a few things I want to turn your mind to. The first principle we find here as Paul is using the same language as Jesus and the same language as God as he gave it to Moses. There in the end of verse 9, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as what? Thyself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Have you ever spent time with that? Or is that one of those things you just read by? Oh, yeah, I know it. You know, I could probably quote that. You could all quote that if I, if I asked you to. But have you stopped and actually thought about that? I am to love others as I love myself. <laughs> That's a pretty big statement now, isn't it? Because I'm pretty sure you care for you. You care about you. And it, we're not talking about pride and selfishness. That's, that's a whole other thing. No, we're talking about the care and attention you give to yourself. Do you care about others that way? Are other people's needs even on your radar? Or are you too busy to give a rip about the person next to you? I got to go, man. I don't, got, I don't got time for the answer of the question I just asked him. Like, hey, how you doing? And we're walking away. Have you stopped and listened? Because I'm pretty sure there's a time you wanted to give an answer and the other person kept walking. Do we care about others? Do we love others as much as we love ourselves? You go to great lengths to make sure you are good. And that you are cared for. In fact, just about everything is filtered through the lens of you. And I'm not just... I'm not talking about it in a selfish or prideful way. That's just the way it is, right? We care for ourselves. 
And Jesus says, if we're going to truly love others, we love them, we care for them, as we do for ourselves. And by the way, He didn't say, love thy neighbor as thyself when, or if. No, there's a period after it. Done. End of statement. There's not caveats given or the setting in which this is to be done. You know, like when they're nice to me and they have the same beliefs as me and we're all on the same page, then I love my neighbor as myself. No. (laughs) In fact, he uses two words on the front of it that elevate it. Those two words? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You know what that makes it now? A command, doesn't it? (laughs) Christianity isn't some little add-in to your life. It's not some merit-bad, social club, letterman's jacket kind of extracurricular activity. It's a whole new and different life, isn't it? One that is radically different to the world around us. We're not called to treat people like they treat us. We're called to love them as we love ourselves. In a world full of hate and anger and animosity, we're to shine as lights, shining by the genuine love that we have for others. In fact, Jesus puts it this way, Matthew 7, 12, Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do even so to them. What do we call that? The golden rule, right? Some of us grew up here in that. And it's do unto others as they do to you, isn't it? Something like that? No. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Sometimes we get it swapped up, right? But there's something Jesus says at the end of that verse in Matthew chapter 7. He says, Whatever you would that men do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and prophets. There he goes again. Attaching the law and prophets, to love. Matthew chapter 22. Love God with all that you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. Matthew chapter 7. Treat men how you want to be treated. This is the law and the prophets. You see, that's talking about the Old Testament. And the Old Testament tells us how holy God is and how holy we are not. And what we have to do to be right with Him. And of course, that's all fulfilled in and it's all pointing to Jesus and what He would do on the cross, right? But that's letting us know that loving others is holy. Loving others and treating them with care is holy. It's a way that we are to be like God. In fact, that's probably how someone treated you And got the gospel to you, isn't it? Someone loved you enough to care for you. Perhaps when you were unlovable or you had nothing to offer, yet they took time to share the gospel, to invite you to church, maybe over and over again till you finally came, and through their love, in one way or another, you met Jesus. Through your love, the same can happen for someone else. You understand? if we would love others as ourselves, 
even through this very simple principle in how we treat them, it can open the door to the gospel because we took time to love somebody. And that will open the door much more than a bitter countenance. Walking around all mad all the time and why is this happening and I'm so... Yeah, you want to come to church, by the way? No, it doesn't work like that, does it? But if they see in us and hear in us a loving tone and a loving heart as we treat them with care, well, that just might open the door to the gospel. Well, if you're like me, you probably don't have a problem with this for the people in your close circles. We're probably fine with our family. We're fine with our friends. You know, those neighbors who are close to me and they live on the same biblical street and they have the same political property and we're all hooked together and we all feel the same way. That's what Jesus is talking about, right? That's who my neighbors are. So I can love those people who are most like me, like myself. That's got to be it. So I'm still good, right? The second principle I want you to look at this morning is found in Luke chapter 10. Turn there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 10. Luke, chapter 10. Let's pick it up in verse 25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, let's just put a pause in there. He's, this lawyer knows better. He's, well, he should. I'm not, that's a bad statement. He should know better because we're going to see that he doesn't. But he knows it's not works for salvation. He's not saying, how do I get saved? He's, how do I experience all the blessings that you would have? How do I get this fullness of life? Okay. Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he, Jesus, said unto him, what is written in the law and how readest thou? And he, the lawyer, answering, said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. <laughs> right on, good answer. We can give those, right? Sometimes we know what to say. Like we know what we should do. We can put on the mask and pretend to know it all. Just like this guy's doing right here. And Jesus is about to rip that off. Look at verse 29. But he, willing to justify himself. There's a problem. There's a problem. Here's where we get into trouble, right? Why we get into trouble when we hear what the Scripture says, and it says, love thy neighbor as thyself. And we say, that sounds good, but it's really not everyone. I mean, come on, look at the world around us. I'm really supposed to love everybody? And we begin to justify why we can't love other people as ourselves. And so we're standing right here as this guy. Well, who is my neighbor? Because surely it's these people and not those people. Right? That's what he's asking. Who is my neighbor? Verse 30. And Jesus answering and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, 
leaving him half dead. Let me just, let me just, instead of reading through and coming back, let's just hit these things as we go. You understand as we go through this world, there's going to be people messed up by it. That's what this world does. That's what sin does. It wrecks people's lives. It strips them of of peace and pride and dignity, and it leaves them dead. Sin leaves us dead. Doesn't the Bible say that? The wages of sin is what? Death. And we're going to go through this world, and there's going to be people all around us that are messed up by it. Broken lives. Maybe it's a result of their bad choices, or maybe something happened to them. Maybe not, but we are surrounded every, all around by people that n- desperately need the love of God. And what do we do? What do we do? Pull out our schedules and begin to check off everything that we've got to do? Telling ourselves, yep, I love my neighbor. Oh, sorry. I love my neighbor. Whoop, got away from there. I love my neighbor. That's what we do quite often. Verse 31, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, same way where this guy is lying in need of help. A certain priest came down that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. These are the religious guys. These are the ones who've been, who should have been examples of the heart of God for the broken, the hands of God for the broken, and they fail miserably, don't they? One sees and says, oh, no, I ain't going over there. I don't want any part of that, and he avoids. He takes a, the other side. Pass by on the other side. That's too messy. That's too much trouble. I'm going to keep my distance from that. You know. Maybe like you and I have done. I see somebody coming over here. I'm walking around this car and down this aisle to avoid it any way I can. The second guy, well, he's a little bit better. He stops and looks, right? The Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and then passed by on the other side. He stops and looks. He takes note of the situation, says, nope, I still don't want no part of that, and hurries away. Wow, that guy's messed up. Wow, he really needs help. But I've got stuff to do, you see. I can't be bothered. And on his way, he goes. And meanwhile, the man lays there dying in need of desperate help. How many times have we walked on by? Too busy. I'm beginning to hate that excuse when I use it and when I hear it. We, we are not too busy. We choose other things over some things. We're too busy or whether it's by chance or divine appointment, you're going to come across people whose lives are destroyed by sin, destroyed by the world. Maybe their marriage is wrecked. Maybe their family is in shambles. Maybe they're caught up in some sin. Maybe you could smell alcohol on their breath. Maybe they're twitching every which way from drugs. Who knows? Maybe they look fine, but it's an empty shell. You'll meet this man in one form or another. And will we keep going on? Will we stop and see and then say, no way. Go on with our own life claiming to truly love others. Or will we stop and show some compassion? Some true love. 
33. uh, But a certain Samaritan, now listen, this man knows what it's like to be outcast. This man knows what it's like to be hated. People hated the Samaritans. They made fun of him. He knows the value of somebody to show compassion to him. Certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Took care of him. Do you see those phrases? He had compassion. He went to him. He took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said to them, Take care of him, and Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Jesus speaking now, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. You see, true love for others might cost us some things. It might cost us some time out of our oh-so-busy schedule as you realize someone is in desperate need of help in your life. As you stop and you care for them and you give them what will bring healing and you bring them to a place that can care for them. And even it may even cost you resources as you seek to truly care for them and check in on them. Who was the neighbor? The one who showed compassion. And it was compassion far beyond words. It was the one who showed his love by his works. Beloved, we ought to do the same. (laughs) Did not some godly person stop and see you in eternal danger, in a sin-wrecked life, and they didn't pass by saying there's no hope, there's no use, why even bother, it's too messy? No, their heart was moved with compassion, weren't they? And they began to come to you and bind up your wounds and give you what brought healing. They gave you the gospel of Jesus. For the gospel is the power of salvation to everyone who believes. Do you believe that this morning? That the gospel can save anyone? The gospel has the power to break chains of alcohol or drugs or bitterness or unbelief. It's gospel that breaks the power of sin and makes sinners into saints. And someone brought that to you. They didn't pass by. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for anyone who believes because it's the power of Christ Christ who has shed His blood and has risen from the dead to save us, to reconcile us, and to heal us. And there is power in that blood. There is power in that gospel that no one is beyond its reach. And someone brought you to a place of care to give you the gospel and to bring you to His house and to His people and gave of themselves and their time to see you through. Now you go do the same. Go thou and do likewise. To not do this is cold-hearted. Hard-hearted. And my only fear is we've walked by so many times. We've turned a deaf ear to sermons like this so many times that we've just become numb. And we don't care. No, 
Who's our neighbor? Everyone around us. You spend time and see there's people broken and there's people hurting. And maybe we ought to stop and love them. Show them compassion. Tell them about Christ. So do we love as God tells us to? Let's take it up another level. Matthew chapter 5, turn there. Our third principle, final principle, Matthew chapter 5. Check this out. is not some radical little Sunday morning come to church sing a couple songs think we're good Christian call this is a lifestyle so different from the world not just loving the close people around us everyone around us and seeing the hurt we ought to love them as ourself and yeah let's step it up a level Matthew chapter 5 verse 43 Jesus says you have heard that hath been said thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy but I say to you, love your enemies. Oh, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That, or in so doing, ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans do the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the publicans do? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect or complete. <laughs> love, your, love your enemies... Do good to those who do bad. Pray for them. Bless them who curse you. Wow. Like, is that even possible? Because it seems to be a lot of people who don't like us right now, right? I find myself shaking my head in disgust all the time. I hear what's going on all around us, whether it's church. They're putting fences up around churches because it's so dangerous. That's just a step across our northern border. The, do you understand, beloved? Today the Bible is under attack. And it's not a sneak attack from behind. It's full-on, unashamed, open attack. Whether it's so-called health mandates to silence the voice of churches or whether it's laws and bills being passed to legalize what the Bible says is sin or it's movements to redefine biblical truths to say there is no gender and there is no such thing as marriage, or whatever it may be. The Bible and God and His people have many enemies today, don't we? And I'm not saying we should be silent, no. In fact, I think we've been silent for too long and it's done a little too much damage. We ought to be up speaking out against these things, boldly proclaiming, thus saith the Lord. This is what marriage is. And you can say what you want. It doesn't change the fact. This is what uh, gender is. God created each one male or female, period. Things like that. And we ought to speak the truth in love. But how do we react to those 
who persecute or curse or oppose us. God says to love them. God says to love them. Whether it's the president, the governor, the mayor, your co-worker, your family, some guy on the street holding a sign, God says to love them, pray for them, bless them. That's easy to do with people who love us. And Jesus says, well, whoopity-doo. Everybody does that. But when you love, and I mean truly love, who, those who don't love you, do you understand? That is when we are most like God. Because God loved us when we were enemies. God loved us when we were unlovable. Colossians 1.29, He loved us when we were enemies in our mind by wicked works. We thought anti-God things. We... we, we made anti-God statements. We didn't like Him. We didn't care. God loved us when we were dead in our sins and serving self and serving Satan and fulfilling the desires of our own flesh and our own mind. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that. When we were opposed to Him, even hostile toward Him, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Go to Romans chapter 5. We work to an end now. Romans chapter 5. I want you to see this. And if you haven't, if you're so inclined to, I'd underline these passages in your Bible. I'd highlight them. I'd put big gigantic arrows in the margin so that you don't forget this and it gives you a reminder of the God we serve. Love my enemies? Do good to those who don't love me? Yes, because when we, are, when we do, we are showing God. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for who? The ungodly. Do you see that? Christ, who is God in the flesh, died for those who were not like Him. Ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man, verse 7, will one die, yet... Peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth or shows His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, beloved, that's true love. That's true love. God loved us when we were unlovable. And He died for us. So that we might be saved and we might have eternal life with Him and that we might give our lives to serve Him. You know, the, Bible, the, the, the people out in the world are going to tell you what true love is. And let me tell you right now, true love is not seeking to make re- racial reparation or the church seeking to right social wrongs or bring about social justice. It's not, true love is not telling somebody to be less black or less brown or less white. It's not changing biblical principles to appease any group. It's not lifting the... The, the hem of the skirt of the church so the world likes us more. True love is telling them of Jesus who died for their sins. Telling them of the eternity of judgment that faces them and the salvation that can be offered them and then praying for that salvation and then speaking to them about that salvation and treating them as a precious, valued creation of God whether they get it or whether they're confused or whether they're hostile. It's telling them how much God loved them and how God can save them. And telling them of the family that they can have here at Faith Baptist and 
reaching out to the unreachable, the unlovable, and the hostile and the hateful. Because God has done the same for us, has He not? And we know the power of the gospel to change lives. (laughs) There's nobody too good to be saved. There's nobody too bad to be saved. You'll run into people that think they've got it all in the bag because they do this and they do that. Or there you'll run into people that think they're too screwed up to come to God. We know the power of the gospel to change hearts and take us from sinners to eternal life. Maybe it's time we start loving some people. We look for the people that are like us, unmessy, uncomplicated the ones who we think it's easy to love. (laughs) Listen, God can save anyone and everyone needs to be saved. Everyone needs to submit their life to the the truth of Scripture and serve Him as part of His people. So you keep talking to everyone you meet. But how about we stop focusing on the ones who are so like us and we start engaging with and showing God's love to the ones who really need it, whose hearts are so broken they are ready for the gospel, whose lives are so shattered they can't fall any farther but on the rock of Christ who will bring them salvation. If someone would just love them enough to tell them. Someone like me and someone like you. To say that we do and to not actually do that is to pretend and that's hypocritical love. What does the Bible say? Let love be without hypocrisy. Romans 13. We'll finish up back there. Last passage. Romans 13, verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. You owe anybody some love? think I do. There's people I know in my life I've walked on by, I've kept silent, I've kept clear of. Maybe I owe them some true love. Look at verse 10. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the, the law. Have we done ill or wrong by not showing compassion, by not showing love when we should have? (laughs) Listen, some of this can start to sound impossible, like some big great idea that we can never attain to, but it's not. Let me finish up with this. First of all, it's a command that runs through the whole of the Bible. We're told at the very beginning, love your neighbor as yourself, and here Jesus is saying it thousands of years later, pointing back to say, hey, this is... This is what God wants us to do. And you remember that Jesus never asks us to do what He does not give grace and strength to do. He will help us. He that hath begun a good work in you will complete it. We can love others truly. But it has to start with what we touched on last time and mentioned at the beginning of the message. In fact, we're not, this is not going to be in our lives until that is right and that is our love for God and our relationship with Him. You see, as we love God with all that we are, and as we reflect on, our, on His wonderful love in our lives and all the ways He's proven it, something happens. You see, 
Our heart, if it's hard, our heart, if it's cold, our heart, if it's numb, begins to change. And it becomes more like His heart. It begins to soften. And we look on those, as Jesus said, He looked on the crowds and He was moved with compassion. Because he knew what they needed. Do you see those in your life who are struggling and maybe it's wrecked by sin or whatever it may be? Is your heart moved with compassion to know, I know what they need. I know who can help them. It's Christ. They need Jesus just like I needed him. And we look at them and know, we know Jesus can help them. The gospel can save them if we would simply reach out in love. I've got some work to do here. There's people in my life I keep walking on by and I see their faces in my mind. I know their names. There are those who I need to stop and show compassion to. Tell them of the one who can bring peace and healing and restoration. Tell them of all that God would have for them, not only in this life, but in the life to come. There's some people I need to truly start loving. And what about you? I'm going to say it's probably the same for you too. Maybe it's time we stop pretending to love and actually do. And let me just throw this in for an ending statement. This loving others truly, loving our neighbor as ourselves, that's, that's a difference between a church that is growing and one that is not. You want to know how people get saved? Not by some magic osmosis or because I put speakers outside so I don't ever have to go out and tell anybody. No, it's people one-on-one telling them, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Come see a man that told me everything that I ever did. Is this not the Christ? It's that one-on-one interaction, the truth spoken out of love. That's how people get saved. That's why they get baptized. and That's why they join the church. Because people are loving others enough to tell them. One that loves the world will be taking the gospel to those who need it. One that doesn't will stand as a self-righteous social club to be too busy to be bothered to rub elbows with sinners. But I'm thankful Jesus spoke to some sinners. I'm thankful He died on the cross for me, a sinner. the ones crying out for help all around us, will we love them? Will we reach out to them? Will we bring them Jesus or bring them to Jesus? So I end with a question. Do you truly love others? Let's pray. Father, I come before you and I thank you so much for your love to us, for all that you've done and all that you've saved us from and all that you continue to deliver us from, Lord. Please help us to consider the the words that you have spoken to us in your word about what it means to truly love and that we would go from here to have compassionate hearts and hearts that are moved with the world around us and the brokenness there and that we might speak to them about your son. Lord, even if there is one here uh, today that does not know you and the free pardon of sin, Lord, and Their life is broken and stained by sin and they feel the guilt and they feel the judgment. 
Lord, I pray that they would see your love and your son on the cross. Lifted up to save us. His blood shed to forgive, remove our sin if we would place faith in him. Lord, and I pray that you would lead them to the cross. And they would believe and ask forgiveness and be saved. And that you would bring healing and restoration to their to their lives and whatever it may be, Lord. Just you know the needs among us. I ask you to do the work that only you can do. Lead as you only can. I ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.